0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Stolaroid Stories. In today's episode, I'm talking with David Lowen. I've had a brilliant conversation with David. David is a writer, a thinker, an educator. He's a doctor of education and he's the co-founder of the Humanity Academy. Now, I need to read out what the Humanity Academy is because it's quite complicated uh, to remember. So, this is what the Humanity Academy is. Humanity Academy is a social enterprise committed to empowering individuals by unlocking the doors of knowledge, knowledge, we love knowledge, wisdom and self-awareness. With a mission to ignite a passion for personal growth, foster self-awareness awareness and that's a hard word to pronounce, foster self-awareness and nurture strong human connections. I think you will like this conversation because it's all about personal development and it's all about thinking about thinking. So, thinking about our thoughts. Do our thoughts help us? Reflecting on what we learn, using learning journals. We are going to talk about learning journals a lot. So, what are learning journals? How can we use them? Um, what are their benefits? And um, it's a. Ch- it was a challenging conversation, I'm honest, because this um, we talked about a lot of abstract things. So it was quite challenging. You know, we didn't talk about what. What can I do to lose? Uh, wait, okay, you should go running, so it was much more abstract, but uh, I learnt a lot, I learnt a lot, and I will journal about this and post something um, on my blog as well, about what I learned by talking with David, okay, let's get ready now, because it's story time, Welcome, welcome, David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Fabio, really glad to be here.
0: All right, David, uh, thank you for joining the show. Today we're going to talk about something I'm really excited about, uh, which is learning, learning journals, education, probably business, Well, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but um, I know that you are the founder of the Humanity Academy, and uh, I'd like to to know, in your own words, what what is the Humanity Academy?
1: Oh, I like that question, and I'll I'll pass along. I'm the co-founder, so there's two of us. Both my my wife Lisa and I co-founded Humanity Academy, and and that name is is something that she had on her mind for for quite some time. And so she's a mental health counselor a therapist has worked for people with people for oh, a decade or more uh, comes from a very fascinating background in that area and that was a name that had been in her mind for quite some time and so just as a little bit of background i left uh, salary employment stable employment those types of things in the spring of 22 not too long after after COVID. i'd been working for over a decade Uh, in a varied career, but a lot of it in healthcare, uh, in administration specifically, and COVID took a toll uh, working in that field as one could probably well imagine. And Mm -hmm. thankfully, I wasn't on on the front lines. I was in the administrative side, but lots of planning and and emergency planning and response all at the the same time. And then in, in 23, in the spring of 23 this past year, my wife also left Uh, working for other folks and and we did this very very purposefully and I'll also say purposefully Uh, we talked about it for quite some time Uh, it wasn't simple we we have three three children three kids uh, now in their teens Uh, it's a double blended family so my wife had a two-year-old when we met and I had a two-year-old when we met from previous relationships and then we added a third uh, who was a bit of a a bit of a tornado in our in our household and so we talked about this for quite some time but when our children were younger, we had also committed to one of us not working full-time and, and then one working close to full-time and we would bounce back and forth uh, with that so that we could just be more available on, on the home front. And as our kids got older, we started to really think about what is it we really wanna be doing? And at the same time, and I've written about this on Medium and other places, we had a lot of, a lot of deaths in our family. So my wife had lost all four grandparents Uh, two grandparents on my side of the family in a span of about five years. Uh, In that time, my sister had passed, and then in 21, my mom passed, and then we would had some friends and colleagues. And so it was just sort of a a long stint, and it really got us very reflective and thinking a lot. And Mm. I'd become quite burnt out. I was never really built to work in an office. I wasn't built for administration. I've got a very varied career. Uh, But that was one of those choices that we make uh, when we've got kids and commitments and those types of things, but it was time for a change. And so Humanity Academy is one of those projects, those initiatives that came up, and so we very purposely, again, set it up as a social enterprise, which means that uh, we really want to make sure that if we're making some some profits, we're able to put that back into different kinds of work. And and we'll probably chat more about this as we move through this conversation, uh, where our sort of priorities and, and goals lie and in, in supporting people and supporting communities. And so we established it as a social enterprise and also, in you know, ways that we can give away a lot of what we have in our heads uh, based on our experiences and uh, we'll chat more about that, some of our free education courses, these conversations about learning journals mm. and just how we support that work. But that's sort of it in a, in a nutshell. A social enterprise, an educational startup uh, that is supported both through my experiences and professions and my wife's as well.
0: Cool. And also I read on your website um, that you say traditional, traditional education the, the traditional education system no traditional education systems have left gaps in these essential aspect aspects of personal and professional development, often leaving individuals ill equipped to navigate life's complexities and contributing to toxic workplace practices and interpersonal miscommunication okay um okay let's start with. Traditional education systems have left gaps in essential aspects of personal and professional development. Hmm, what what do you mean by that? Cuz I know you you have some strong opinions about traditional education. So, and okay, let's let's explore this.
1: Okay, well, we've got some time. So, yeah, that's uh, I love this question and and uh, really appreciate you pulling that right off of our our website. And we thought about that quite a bit. And so one of the pieces that that precedes that uh, is is the gaps that we see, and those are things like emotional literacy. And so we use that purposely. Some people will call it emotional intelligence. and and I often sort of get tweaked a little bit by that, and my experience has been, in working with folks of all sorts of education levels some that never made it through elementary school some that made it through you know secondary or high school as we call it in in Canada and so emotional literacy rather than intelligence uh, just gets away from those negative connotations we find and and maybe there's a better term out there but emotional literacy is the big one and we'll talk about that it very much relates to to learning journals And thinking about thinking and that ability to pause is we're feeling critters. We feel first generally. And then sometimes that challenge is to be able to label what those feelings are to get a better sense of, well, what is that feeling and why might I be feeling that? You know, and sometimes that can be everything from evolutionary history, a fight, flight or freeze type of response Mm -hmm. uh, and experiences and, and unpeeling. And I was listening to your, one of your most recent podcasts, I think it was with Nikki, um, who had grown up in, in Hungary, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, li- and just listening to her talk about her experiences uh, growing up, uh, very difficult, she alluded to, and and the use of, of a journal to be able to work through those over the years. And so there's that aspect uh, around emotional literacy and self-knowledge. It's just so, so critical. Who am I? And not in a stable sense, in a very much an evolving sense. So my identity shifted very much when I had my first child. And she arrived 17 years ago, be 18 years ago soon, and then adding more children, getting married, you know, becoming an administrator. So there's that aspect. And then also in both of our experiences in a variety of workplaces, some real challenges around interpersonal communication. So those first two I'll often refer to as intrapersonal. So the inside, inside of us, what does that dialogue look like? How do we put language to thoughts? How do we think about Mm. language? especially multilingual speakers that speak many languages. Uh, and I, my work for many years has been in indigenous communities or what some folks would call Native American in the United States or Aboriginal communities. And so in the area that I live in, in British Columbia, in central British Columbia, north of Vancouver, there are so many indigenous languages. And I've worked in many of those communities. And the languages are very distinct. And, and the comparison I'll often, often make for folks is in an area like Europe, there's so many languages, so many cultures that are vastly different from each other, and having spent a little bit of time there, that's certainly been been my experience. So there's that aspect of how do we communicate across difference, both in language and culture, but the fact is that we are all different. we are all completely and utterly unique, even mm. even identical twins have uniqueness in their in how they go about things, so there's that aspect that what we found is that just around conflict management i tend to be someone that says conflict is actually really important it's more about how we manage and navigate it attention uh, uh, in our own lives if we think about it you know it takes a fire to to make water go from maybe ice to to its liquid form to its steam form uh, those types of things, and just thinking through how how do we set up processes in workplaces and in homes and in communities and even in nations or between nations when we think about what the world is navigating uh, these days or has navigated for for all of time, and then related to that, so that's the relationship piece, and then on the end of that uh, information, we just we talk a lot about creativity and learning, uh, but also unlearning. And so mm. we are all individuals immersed and enmeshed in systems. Uh, we get schooled in certain ways and there's pluses and minuses and everything in between on those. And yes, I'm very critical, but doesn't mean that I say it's all bad, no, not at all. Uh, but also just becoming aware of what it, where does this thinking come from? Where do these biases come from? How does the language or languages that I speak influence myself and my relationship with myself And we'll often say this with a capital S, but also how does it relate to another self and another sets of selves. And so those are the types of things where we're being quite critical around traditional education is that really getting into that. So much education in our experiences has been, you know, this is right and this is wrong. This is the way you think about it. Or even critical thinking is something that we will hear so much in, in the more um, going into university and college. And it's one form of thinking. There are hundreds of different types of thinking beyond critical thinking. And even hmm. where some of that history comes from, uh, even in, in the area where you live in in Italy and in Greece and some of the ancient philosophers, there's some really great thinking that is that affects us in many ways. But there are other ways of thinking from other cultures and other languages that can be really beneficial too.
0: Hmm. Wow, you've said so many interesting things. I I, I had to knock them down. Uh, the first one is... Okay, conflict. No, the first one is... um, What's the solution then to traditional education? Like you said, we are all unique. We all have our own ways of thinking. And we prefer certain things. Learning is very... Uh, it's a highly personal activity. So, but traditional education, you know, they put you into a classroom and they say, okay, today we're going to learn this. Okay, in this way, everyone um, has to go through certain, you know, the, the same the same style teaching styles because the teacher is one. So, in the classroom, so they have to adapt to the to the uh, to the teacher style. So, what's the solution, in your opinion? So, is, if there is one.
1: I really like that last that last bit you put on there, Fabio. That's one of the another thing, and I've been thinking a lot about this, even just in the past week or two. Hmm. And I think you and I could have so many conversations, you know, outside of podcasts on podcasts about this idea of solutions. And I hear it so much in the creator economy as well. You know, you've got to have solutions for your customers, for your clients, for your mm. audience. And and sometimes I I think about that. In some senses, I think well, I think some of that is bullshit. You hmm. know, there is an aspect which goes back to again, why write? Why produce and you know produce certain creative output? Whether it's writing, drawing, art, sculpture, uh, whatever it may be, teaching can be an art form. All of those types of things. And so often, what I'll I'll share is that there there is no solution, and that is one of those things where my mm. own sense and my feeling, as I reflect upon this in my life, is that we are I and I say we in a Western-based sort of North America, and yes, those are big generalizations, but very solution-focused, and sometimes there's not a solution. But it's a paradox. If you go to my website, you will see that I put on there a solution. And I I still think about having that word on there. So sometimes, yes, there are solutions. But sometimes I also think that that comes from math and logic, where there's a solution to this. And sometimes in interpersonal communication, there is no solution. Uh, And I will probably talk about this some more as well in terms of thinking about national challenges in terms of how different groups of people get along and i think these are conversations happening across europe uh, with different folks migrating from all sorts of countries mm-hmm. uh, war-torn countries just like what how how do different people get along uh, who who has rights to what and those i don't think there are necessarily solutions there's just a what's going to work today
0: cool. and
1: sometimes uh, what what's going to work or what can work it will sit between an imperfect scenario and imperfect solution. When we think of, of of population growth, the number of people accessing social media and the internet, these are massive, quick, rapid changes that I think many people, based on what we've been supplied with through evolutionary history and what our brains can handle is an aspect of it's often going to be an imperfect situation, which is just going to be good enough to try and get through this time. So, for example, with COVID, uh, there was no solution. It was certainly a matter of just trying to figure it out as we go along based Mm -hmm. on the things that we had. And that was one big learning I took away from the pandemic and being right in the midst of it from from planning for more, you know, overcapacity in morgues to setting up field hospitals and parking lots. You know, these were things that we had to wrap our heads around in, in very quick form, uh, as well as trying to support families and, and have children in schooling. So that that's one of those pieces where I often don't think there's a solution. There's more about how can we uh, sit down, and this is a really important distinction I'll make, between discussing things, which often means, You know, there's a, it rhymes with percussion in English. And there's a reason for that is discussion will often cut off things. And even, you know, the, if we think about the roots of the word uh, decision in in English, and of course, English is very much related to Italian and Spanish and French and the romantic languages. But the ancient roots of that are about cutting things off. So to make a decision, we need to cut things off. And even in democracies, 50%, 50 50.1% wins. What do you do with the 49.9% that does not, for example, you know, in a very rough way of going about it. And that is those types of discussions. There's much going on in the world around this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. These very vague terms that can get implemented in so many different ways. And what what do those mean? And I, I often find that there is no solution. There's just a, how are we going to deal with this? in this period of time and do that through dialogue and so through dialogue as we use active listening and all of those different things where we hear people out uh, and really listen and then we've got to think about okay what's going on in me as i hear these things Uh, Mm. what where does that come from why am i thinking those ways and so Hmm. that's some of that work around trying to steer away from solutions per se and and how can we get to a place that's going to work well enough for all
0: that are engaged. You you say you say that so not that there are no there are no solutions there are not always at least there are solutions. And this is already a challenging thing for me to 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 think about because I've always thought that every problem has a solution. So, you know, don't worry, is there a solution to this? No. Okay, so don't worry uh is there a solution to this yes so don't worry <laughs> but um i've always been i've always seen problems as something temporary because there, there, there's always a solution to a problem but you're saying that um you're saying that there isn't and this is interesting and it's actually maybe liberating in a way to know that okay, this problem has got no solution, uh, so we just need to do our best to make it work. Um, I've never think I've, I've never thought about this before. Hmm. So this is already I think thinking about thinking. So I'm thinking yes. about what I'm thinking. Um, and then um, okay, then you said oh when you, when you said to hear people out. So when in conflicts, in you know, challenging times, uh, we need to listen to each other. Active listening, you said. Um Are you familiar with nonviolent communication? Uh
1: very much so. My my wife oh, okay. is a is a big fan and a proponent of it. So very oh, much so.
0: Nice, nice. Okay. So that that's what I what I was thinking about when you said um we need to active we need to listening we need to listen to each other actively. So to see what goes not only in my mind but also in your mind so to to be to use empathy which is really difficult unless yes. yeah un- unless you work on it probably
1: exactly and so mm. i was just writing about this this recently and the way that i phrase it and it works for some and it doesn't work for others so right now i've got the sunshine shining brightly and you can see the light changing shining mm-hmm. off the ice on the lake and so I will often use light as an example. And so light mm. is both a particle and a wave. And mm. I could, you and I could sit here and I could be a, a proponent of wave theory of light and tell, I could tell you, Fabio, it is waves of light that are flooding over my face and my body as I sit here and talk to you. And you could say, no, 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 Dave, it is particles. I am telling you when I look, it's particles. And that is how... That is how light operates. You can't see the other one at any point in time. It is either, it is both a particle and a wave, and it will depend, and And yes, our knowledge of this is expanding. But I also will use Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, that idea that we can't know the position and the speed of a particle at the, at the same time, based on where we are at in our knowledge. And Hmm. so taking those types of principles, I'll use those as a metaphor or an analogy for our own lives. And so, for example, if you and I or another group of people were having a dialogue uh, about a conflict in a certain part of the world, uh, we could pick one. And there would be what we could call, if we looked at it from a logical, critical thinking, which many of us learned in school, we could debate the logic of it. Uh, We could, you know, be like Socrates and, and the philosophers going through this, but there would be other ways in the world to be able to have dialogue and to think and listen. And often I will say, how can we even be so sure about what is going on in our own self as we are actively listening, trying to challenge our own biases and to be able to make a distinction between, I learned that way of thinking when I was seven in elementary school from... Mr. or Ms. or or whomever mm-hmm. teacher told me this is the way, or like, for example, in your previous podcast with Nikki, she was sharing an experience about a, you know, very, it had a big impact on her about what one teacher had said to her a decade previous about her ability to write. And I just thought, and it was just such a beautiful set, experience as she was sharing, you know, here's how I've navigated this over the years. And so that is where I'll often say we don't even have solutions in ourselves. Uh, let alone trying to be in dialogue and often we just need to remain in that very fluid space and that is the reality of how how life is it's a very fluid fluid existence which ends in the same way for all of us Mm. so that is the one solution the perfect solution that comes to all of us and many don't like to think about it but we will all die at some point in time like every other being before us uh, and when we can navigate from that reality, that is the one solution. Uh, and the rest in between is something we just kind of got to, you know, move like a bamboo forest hmm. through. It's been sort of my experience and how I'll often share that.
0: And how does a learning journal, how can a learning journal help? So first of all, what is a learning journal? Because I know it's a tool for that can help you think about thinking. This is mm-hmm. this is the general uh, purpose of learning journal. Correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. What what is what are learning journals?
1: They are pretty much anything we want them to be, and so mm-hmm. let me let me break that down. And so <laughs> what I found over many years and is that the idea of a diary, in my experience, often for, for men is uncomfortable, Uh, dear diary. I'm not going to, I don't want to do that. And even the idea of a journal can be kind of uncomfortable. And so what I've found is shifting it to call it a learning journal. And then very much like you are asking people, so, well, what, what is that? How do I do it? And what I have found over the years, and sometimes in my own experience is that there, we want there to be directions on how to do it. Like, how do I use this thing? What is the right way? And what is the wrong way? It's like, oh, well, there's, there's the impact of schooling in our, in our lives. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not, not what it, not, not what that's intended to suggest. So a learning journal can be so many things. And especially when we live in a time that is so digital. And I really appreciate it, Fabio, you were sharing this in your, in your podcast with, with Nikki, if I'm recalling correctly as well, that uh, pen and paper was very important for you when mm-hmm. you are writing down things. And I'm, I'm very similar. Now, maybe this is a generational thing, maybe not. However, I find as well that no matter what age, pen and paper accesses a different part of the brain. And mm. so many of us, especially if we're involved in the creator economy and writing and and even in our work, we spend so much time in the digital funnily enough yeah. that has the same root as our fingers, our digits uh, But the analog world in navigating with pen and paper just goes to a different part of the brain, but it doesn't mean that we can't have a learning journal that's kept digitally. Keeping a blog is a learning journal, writing on medium is a learning journal. I was just writing recently about how fifty two free weekly issues of my newsletter is a learning journal. I've learned an immense amount about it, but the bulk of the learning journals that I keep are, and I've got them spread around my desk as I'm talking to you are Mm. are notebooks. And I'll often say to people, there's no right or wrong way to go about a learning journal. Find a way that works for you. And I I heard you were, you say that in the podcast, you're like, I'm not sure if this is the right way for me or something to that effect, or I'm trying, I'm playing with this. And that's often, well, uh, and I was writing about this in a very recent newsletter is to say that is a very powerful space to be in the space of I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether that's questioning our identity, whether that's questioning where we live, questioning in our career. And I say that's a, such an important place to write from or to draw from or to map from. And so a learning journal in one of some of the articles I write on Medium about it, in one of them, I share 33 different kinds of learning journals. Hmm. I've written an article about how they can be structured or unstructured, depending on who we are. And and mine tend to be quite unstructured in many ways, other than when I go back to read them, which is a critical piece of learning journals to go back and reflect. That becomes a little bit more structured so that I'm able to to benefit that much more from what I have in there. But essentially in many cases, what I'll say to people to just to, to give a certain level of comfort to start is to have a couple of, of prompts. Well, what mm. did I learn today? You know, what did I learn mm. yesterday? Uh, and then really importantly, how do I feel about that? And mm. so that feeling might be super intense in one moment, or it might be, um, quite separated like, meh, you know, meh, whatever, but those feelings will change over time and then Mm. the other question i'll often ask is are there some things i should be unlearning and Mm. there's so much focus on continuous learning and lifelong learning and i'll say yeah sure but eventually our heads will explode or you know like any critter that continues to grow to the end of time will die off you know that that's sort of the nature of the universe. And so sometimes we need to prune some stuff off of there. We need to unlearn some things to be able to make room for some other learning. And it's that balance back and forth. Mm. And so really going to your question, what's a learning journal? It can be whatever people want it to be and to play with it. It, So I use on my phone, I use the notes app. So when I'm out walking, I will quickly get a a voice memo on my notes app. Hey Siri. And then I'll do the voice. But I'll also review those and then write them down. And I just keep those and try not to be too concerned about what's the purpose of this and how am I going to use this and what can I write from this from? It's just like, mm-hmm. here's an idea in my head, write it down. And then often, so often I will go back to those and go, wow, that, that actually was really profound. And at the time it was like me, you know, whatever I heard Fabio <laughs> say this and I write it down, but it's the going back because there might be something from, three weeks ago that I just wrote a quick note and then today I'm reading something and then they come together in this beautiful synergy in the synthesis. And I'm like, Oh yes. Mm. And that's where the real power of of a learning journal it can, can start to come in.
0: Yeah. I sometimes, a lot of ideas come to me when I, when I'm running, I've said this many times. Mm. I don't know why, I don't know if it's a, it's chemistry, it's, if if it's the body movement, I don't know what it is, but when I'm running, something something happens in the mind. It's because uh, maybe the the mind is free to to go wherever it wants, and I need to have a phone because mm. I use I use I don't use a note um, uh, note app, but I use uh, WhatsApp. So I send a message to myself. So it's always, nice. it's going to be there forever, not forever, but it's going to be there. I don't need an extra, an extra app. And, um, I never review those ideas though. I never go back and say, and, and, and revise, okay, what did I, what did I think? Um, what was I thinking the other day when I was running? I just put them there, but you know, sometimes I forget. Sometimes it's an idea that I have that I want to turn into an article or a blog mm-hmm. post and and that's when I when I go back and and pick out that idea but um okay so why why do you why do you do this why do you keep a learning journal yourself mm, what's the what's great the purpose? question because you, you've you've been doing this for I think I saw a a picture or a medium of all the learning journals it's like a, it's it's your desk full of these learning journals um so why do you do it?
1: Yeah, I like that question, and it's part of it is. And you had just mentioned this is sometimes I forget those ideas, and mm. I've got a little diagram that I often use where I talk about the forgetting curve, and essentially, mm. so ultimately, does. we we forget most things within the first hour of of learning, quote unquote. And yes, you know, it could be debated, but that's, that's one of the big ones, but learning journals for me, and I've written a little bit about this. It really started, I, I've just recently entered my fifth decade, turned, turned 50 this year. And it started when I was about 19 and I was traveling in Australia. It was my first big trip. Nice. Uh, from, went from Canada to Australia. I had very little money with me, a return ticket, you know, classic young adult, some might argue whether I was much of an adult at that point, but I ended out uh, spending almost a year there and working every job imaginable as many, many travelers do. And at that time I had a, a day planner and I was, I just write bullet points. Where, where did, was I, who did I meet? What was I thinking? And from that point in time, of course, I'm speaking about this with, you know, almost three decades of reflection. That wasn't what I was thinking at the time. Uh, and I was hooked at that point in time and just, uh, it was, I went through my twenties, I was reading a lot, self-help became, you know, one of those big sections, Anthony Robbins got his start around those times when I was in my twenties mm. uh, and others, the, the gurus essentially. And I don't uh, agree with all of the stuff that gets, that comes out of there, but what a remarkable in- uh, individual, for example, someone like Anthony Robbins still doing what he's doing and there's 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 much wisdom in, in in a lot of his work and and with others and like i said i don't i don't agree with all of it but at the time i just started writing it down as i was reading and reading has been a big part of my adult life and, it, and it's funny in many ways because i just sort of did what i needed to do to get through school i was not my my newsletter is called box cutter and there's kind of a reason for it it's been a part of my personality since i was quite young which is I would often sort of think, this is bullshit. Why do I need to be learning this? I am not going to use this. And I still see it with my kids. Like my kids are going through the school system here in Canada and still studying the same novels that I studied 35, 40 years ago. (laughs) And and there's value to it, yes. But it's like, wow, times of, there's some better things we could be reading. So there's that aspect. uh, And what I really sort of got into, and I stayed away from formal schooling until I was into my 30s. I was actually quite anti- formal schooling because I'd had enough by the time I was done school. And so through this traveling and through the writing over the years and just tracking, I just found such value in it. And then I think it was probably late twenties that I came across this idea of calling them learning journals. And I've never looked back since is that everything I keep is just a, a learning journal. And sometimes I just free write in the mornings. Like, uh, And Nikki was talking about this, the, the Julia Cameron morning pages. I had read that. Uh, in my 20s and what a beautiful, wonderful piece of work uh, she did and has continued to do and influence so many people. Uh, I don't follow it rigidly. I I don't like rigid approaches to things. It's just my own, mm. own bit. And so over the years, I've just, I've called them learning journals. I often uh, go back and revisit them, but sometimes I can't read what I wrote, especially in the free writing <laughs> <laughs> it's free writing for a reason, uh, but when I'm thinking, especially now over these last two years, as I've become a solopreneur and a digital writer, I've become much more purposeful about always trying to track ideas. Uh, I keep a notebook by my bed because, and very similar to you, Fabio, whether it's um, when I'm out on a bike, I do a lot of biking, mountain biking, and and out uh, getting out, keeping fit. Big reason why I left uh, employment, and I find very similar. It's when the ideas just they come together in a, you know, it's like a fire gets lit and when yeah. out, out there because the brain is, is not thinking in the way that it normally does. It's actually, it could be meditative from running. It could be meditative from cycling, but also it's just, it's just a different, we go, we go to a different place and I don't think it's just in our brain. I think we go to a different place in our body that brings these ideas uh, forward. And so that's what I've ultimately sort of the making a long story longer is why I call them learning journals was essentially, you know, life life is a learning journey. And we can choose to be actively learning and unlearning in that journey, or we can choose to kind of go through the motions. And I'm not saying one is better or worse than the other. We've all been in those periods of our lives, I'm sure. However, we stop and think, well, what am I learning along here? Or do do I keep making the same uh, same trip ups in my life. Do I operate in relationships in the same way? How am I thinking about this? In even in our household right now, we were just talking this morning before I came on with you about, um, we have children, two kids that are in grade 12, ready to graduate. Uh, and one in, in grade nine, we're getting to a different stage in our life. And mm-hmm. so how are we thinking about those things? And so we'll often both write it down so that we're, we're more prepared for those.
0: Wow. That's great. What well, you said, I didn't know that you traveled around Australia. And I can tell you, I started journaling without knowing that it was journaling. Yes. When I landed in Australia, because I went there when I was 26. Mm. Uh, and I spent two years there. And this is my learning journal. Nice. You can see I'm, I wrote, this is basically for the people who are watching on video. Um, <clears throat> I started recording, started writing about the people that I, that I was meeting there. So mm-hmm. interesting people. So I've got, it's in Italian, so I can't read it, but it was okay. I've got here hero, a Japanese man, 28 years old. He's traveling around Australia. So I would record what was interesting about these people. And I did this for for a bit, and then I stopped, I don't know why. This was 2023, so 10 years ago. And then I stopped, I stopped journaling, I stopped writing down things. And do you know when I started again? Hmm. Uh, after I read one of your Medium posts. So oh, I love it. It's... Uh, love it. Okay, the third of January, and I've got more now. I've got more things. It's all it's all a mess, really. It's just it's a mess. Perfect, yeah. perfect.
1: I love it. So I think you've seen seen some of my images. Mine are very messy, but purposely messy.
0: Yeah. Um. So what? I don't. I know that there's there's no there's no one right way to do it, but if you could give us give me or us to the listeners uh, any tips on how to start because you said you mentioned prompts you mentioned uh it's useful to have some prompts like what did i learn today what uh what should i unlearn but if i because op- if i open my journal and i stare i need to i stare at the at the blank page i'm like okay well what should i write down now i i mm-hmm. have no idea what should I say? Should I Just start writing, free writing about, you know, today was a beautiful day or it was a shit day. Um, so what, yes, what would you suggest? Yes and yes.
1: Yes okay. and yes. So oftentimes I will suggest to people no different than when we run into friends or colleagues and we get into small talk. Weather and check with the family, or mm. you know, how about that uh, Italian foot? You know, the Italian football team or the rugby team, or mm. you know, whatever it may be. That small talk, and and often I will share with folks the immense value outside of our realm of thinking. For example, if we think about climate change and rapid climate change. Some people's journals and diaries of tracking the weather in the 1800s are of immense value to science and humanity in thinking about what was going on from, because climate is big and wide, but what was the weather locally and trying to think through that. So, for example, during the the gold rush in the Klondike, in the Yukon, in, in the 1800s, late 1800s. And in the 1800s in general, across much of Canada, there was like a mini ice age in a sense, like a period of super cold. Mm -hmm. And that we know that because people tracked it in their journals and in in, uh, what they were tracking in their diaries. So I'll say to folks, don't underestimate track, like writing about the weather. What's the weather doing today? So there's that aspect. And so small talk is a great way to, how am I feeling right now? How did I sleep? Then there's this huge long list of things in which we could keep a learning journal for in a, in a structured sense. A sleep journal, uh, a diet journal, a running journal, a fitness journal, an emotions journal. How do I feel in the morning? Uh, a creative journal, a free writing doing Julia Cameron's morning pages, an ideas journal. So there's all of these different ways to think about going about it. Then there's also just having, I have about four prompts And so what did I learn today or what did I learn yesterday? How do I feel about it? Uh, The other thing is, what would I like to learn? And so in my Mm. journey as a solopreneur and a digital writer, I will often ask myself, what do I want? What, What would I like to learn over the next little while? And so this right now, during the next few months, I've chosen to really focus on Substack. Uh, mm. What would I like to learn about Substack? And then purposely going and finding people that are that are writing away about that. Uh, and so I've done that a few times. Medium, I had that experience last year. And so I will try and guide some of my energy and what do I want to learn today. It can be in a, our relationships. We could keep an arguments journal. So hmm. there's all of those different ways to be able to go about it where we could purposely think. The other exercise, and we haven't talked about this much, is really thinking about ourself with a capital S and ourselves within systems. And we are all in systems. And so I have diagrams online where I have concentric circles, like nested circles. And in the center of that is, is self. And so outside of self. And so then we could write about what's going on inside of me. What's the intrapersonal communication? How am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? And then I could think, okay, well, how are others having an impact on me? I can think about family, friends, community, uh, the folks I met at the supermarket, and that circle wraps around self and think about how, how is that influencing how I'm feeling and what I'm doing? Then outside of that, we can start to think about the institutions that impact us on a daily basis. So how does schooling impact the way I think about this, for example, or how does schooling impact the way I learn? Or not learn, and how does uh, my interactions with the justice system, the health system, uh, and it's different in every country? In Canada, we have universal health care. In the United States, they do not, and so that you know has the ability to shape and affect people's lives in so many ways, especially after COVID. Uh, so thinking about those systems and institutions, and then the big, big ones are the structures and you talk a lot about this in, in other podcasts and in your writing is uh, how does language affect me and i think a lot of folks don't necessarily get to that level of thinking and in canada would think about it a lot because english and french are our official languages mm-hmm. uh, south africa for example has many official languages i'm not sure in italy if there's more than italian no um, <laughs> in other other european countries there's a few And so then thinking about, okay, how does that, my nation that I live in, where I have citizenship, you've traveled, I've traveled the passport we hold has a huge impact uh, in so many ways. So then thinking about, well, how does that impact me? And then outside of all of that is thinking about time and history. So this time that I live in, how does that impact and history uh, and those types of pieces? And so taking it all the way up, we could take one thing like my identity And we could take it through all of those circles, get to time and history, then turn around and come back and say, okay, now I've taken myself on this little learning journey of my identity or um, how I think about conflict in my life. How did all of those things impact those and then bring it all the way back down to self? And by the time you get back to self, it will have been one hell of a journey to go, hmm, okay. I think I might understand more or then there's a whole set of questions that were documented on. I need to learn more about that or I need to think more about that. I need to ask my parents or my caregivers or my aunties and uncles or whomever the family might be around my siblings. And so then the really cool piece with all of that, like you and I who like to write and publish online, is that is all material that could be published somewhere. It could be done anonymously on a blog. It could be done under our names, a pen name. All of those types of things. And those are the types, uh, I'll often argue this in a logical sense. I think that is what people are far more interested in reading is reading about other people's journeys, about how they're thinking about their lives and, and what's going on in the world, as opposed to, and I've heard your your critical comments on, on AI and, and very much in agreement, like the Chat GPT pumped out, you know, just keep it moving kind of stuff and any of us that are on medium we see it regularly Mm -hmm. but if we really get into that more vulnerable real struggles of humanity then that can really open it up uh some some really powerful writing but also the balance fabio and the writing for for me Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: writing for myself which can also be public and that's why I love it when I hear feedback like you were saying, hey, when I read your piece on learning journals, it caused me to do this. I'm like, that's awesome. Hmm. Um, I didn't go out thinking in my head, what does my audience need? How do I speak to my audience and solve their problems? <laughs> like, no, I'm just going to write what is going on in my life, but also in what I'm hearing and I've heard from people to go, I like that idea of learning journals. Tell me more okay I need to write write more about that that topic
0: yeah yeah I read this in what you're saying um, in show your work by Austin Cleon. love Kleon's stuff yeah. yes okay so he, he said something he, he wrote something like um, talk about what you love and the people who love the same stuff will will follow you something like this
1: yes yeah and yeah. I you know it's i love cleon stuff and he's been at it a while um seth godin is another you know i see mm, lots of the big of the fan. online gurus these days and Me godin too. was doing this in the early 2000s he was one of the, you know uh him and and there's another fellow by the name of hugh mcleod um who Don't has uh, it's called the gaping void and he was doing sketches on the back of business cards and mm. and him and, uh, he know, he knew Godin and they were, Cleon was uh, posting stuff. So I just love some of those folks that were very early on uh, every day, you know, God, Godin's been doing it for two decades every day, posting these little thoughts. And so that has been a big influencer in, in my online digital writing journal, but also personally and exactly what you're saying. And, and I right now, like somebody that I quite appreciate younger generation is Dan Coe. Uh, Koe, he's he's right. He his whole philosophy is solve your own problems and challenges first, and then share those out with other people. And mm. you will find people that are interested in that. I mean, you know whether it's building a digital business, but he talks a lot about mindset and modern mastery. And I love it that a that a guy in his late twenties, early thirties, is just getting right into the depths of like what who am I and what am I about, and then having great success uh, online in terms of just sharing that out publishing books and, and and helping other people out and that i think is one of the beauties of of this whole digital environment we live in yes there's lots of negatives and there's lots of shitty things that happen on social media but you and i would not have met and connected in this way just yeah. as similar as others like uh, veronica lorca smith i think is someone who you've had yeah on your podcast and her and i have been in connection we've never even actually come on face to face digitally, but have kept in touch through Medium, Substack, uh, LinkedIn, just supporting each other in in the journey and really neat watching, you know, how her journey shifts and change and someone that's a mom with young children and living internationally and gone through really difficult times being separated from family. So that is the power of being here online and finding different people and kindred spirits that, geez, you know, when I was a kid, two thirds of the world didn't even have a telephone, let alone know what one was. And here we are within just a few short decades of over 5 billion people <laughs> having that, 5 billion people access the internet. That is more than there were people on the planet when I was a wow. kid.
0: Wow, yeah. I I wanted to ask you about this idea of, this idea of self, because mm. learning journals seem to be a tool for individuals and i'm wondering if this is um this is western western thinking so i Mm. come first um i as an individual whereas you know in in china or more collectivist uh societies they might think i don't need a learning journal because it's not about the world is not about me It's more about the community. So would you say, I don't know if if you know or if you have an opinion or if you've researched this, would you say that uh, this is all Western thinking? Because we've mentioned, you know, all these guys, Seth Godin, Mm. Anthony Robbins, all these American Western gurus. So, because this is this is what thinking about thinking did to me because i i realized that i only consume consume i only read and expose myself to books written by western people by people from the us mainly i realized i haven't read a lot um I don't have any, you know, authors here from Asia. Books from, I don't know, any Asian countries. So, are we biased? You think?
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. But we all, and we all are there. So we have mm. hundreds of biases. I like. Mm. I like this, this. is a great question, and I, I think about think about this a lot. And I think you're bang on, and and you're absolutely right. And I. Immediately think about that when we list through I think, well, that's a lot of guys. You know, my wife would say, "Where's the women thinking in there?" Yeah, that's another. That's another thing. Yes, and and it's and it's very true, and it's so often the case. But thinking about thinking will get us to that place to ask that question or those sets of questions, which is, "Hmm, what might I be missing here?" And I love that aspect of, "Geez, you know." what's the reality in certain areas of China, a very diverse country, you know, what's the reality in, in places, say, for example, in countries where keeping a learning journal could actually be threatening to your life, you know? Mm. And so when I think about those experiences, it draws me back to many of the stories I hear in communities and where I grew up. I, I grew up very rural in Western Canada on a group of islands that are 80 kilometers off the mainland coast, a place called Haida Gwaii, which was once called uh, the Queen Charlotte Islands by by the white settlers that came in. And so when I think about that, and what I love about this question is that learning journals can be so much more. And I wrote an article about this recently around personal geographies. And Mm. so you and I have traveled. And the wonderful thing is, is that uh, we are sort of spatial critters as well. We think in maps in a sense. And I think about many of the communities where I've worked in, where the learning journal is actually the places people have been. And so when I go and work in an, in an indigenous community in a remote part of British Columbia in the mountains, there are so many place names that everybody knows that place name and why it has that place name and what the story is behind that place name that may have come from thousands of years. And then in the oral histories are very, very deep, deep relationships to place. And so, and this has happened, this gets pulled into the Western world Uh, in Canada. There's many, many uh, legal battles has been for over well over a century between indigenous Aboriginal peoples and the settler Canadian uh, governments, both at a federal level and the provincial, which is like states. And so now they're in the court systems and the Supreme Court of Canada oral histories from indigenous peoples are now recognized on par as written evidence. And so mm. if you could imagine the debate that happened and how over how long um, discussions around rights about land, rights about a place uh, played out in different court systems. And the court system is a very Western-based philosophical basis and it has its pluses and its minuses and everywhere in between. And it is just racked full of bias and so for so long the bias was to written evidence and you know writing is a technology text is a technology and it's not very old in human history maybe 6000 years you know coming out of out of uh, what we call the middle east a biased way of calling things um you know there's that aspect coming out of out of many arab speaking nations now about 6000 years is how long text has been around humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of years hmm. and so we had ways of communicating Um, without the technology of text. And that was generally on the land or on the ocean in in some cultures to be able to navigate through through those. So that's where I'll often say, absolutely, Uh, there is an aspect that is Western-based. And even English has become a globally dominating, bias-inducing way of thinking because we think in language or languages uh, and some really neat research coming out on that front about how multilingual speakers uh, can get tripped up when there is a word in one language mm. that is a similar sound in another language, but are com- two completely different things. And so, the some of the research is around eye movement, and so they'll you know put a bunch of images on and ha- track people's eyes. So there's that ability to think through, okay, you know, how much does that influence how we think? So if we're thinking about thinking, how, why do I think that way? And in those ways, and how is language affecting that? So that again, goes back to those concentric circles that I was sharing. And again, based on my work uh, with many indigenous communities is that English is not the first language in, in some indigenous communities. They might speak three or four indigenous languages before English came in, especially the more elderly in community. Uh, and I think that's similar in Europe, right? Where some people, English might be their fourth or fifth language, maybe in like think of Switzerland, for example, with my limited mm-hmm. knowledge about how many languages might be there. And I think that impacts the way that people think. So if anything, uh, the learning journal, I don't think is the solution, but it's an ability to just get people to pause because mm-hmm. one of our strongest biases. through evolutionary history is to act. And it's kept us alive as a species, fight, flight, or freeze. Like Mm. when I'm walking or, you know, right across the lake from here, you know, there's cougars, big cats that live in the forest. There's big bears that live in the forest. We run into them regularly. And I can tell you the number of times that I think a stump is a bear that turns out to be a stump, (laughs) but there's a good reason for that. It keeps me alive. So when that big, big furry thing jumps out of the bush... I act. I don't stop and go, hmm, how does my citizenship affect my, you know, so there's that aspect to it. But if we can get more folks to stop and pause, take a breath and think, hmm, and that goes to that active listening piece. uh, And just to think, hmm, might this be an overly Western way of thinking about this as I'm As I'm interacting with Hiro, the Japanese traveler I ran into in Australia, about you know how they're navigating things, for example.
0: And, um, I wanted to ask you about the bear. Have you ever met one?
1: Oh, all the time. We were, so we have a a little area uh, about a kilometer across the lake. There's a big forested. It's called a mountain, but it's sort of like a giant hill. Uh and we have an area that my wife and I walk regularly. We call it Cougar Alley because there's regularly cougar tracks uh in there. And then I was just out there this summer and our dog uh chased a, a I didn't even realize it. I had one, you know, my AirPods in listening to a podcast. And the dog took off and then all of a sudden I saw a little cub go up the tree. I was like, Oh boy. Oh you know, God. Mama Bear is not what you want to get in the middle of. But generally you know, for the most part, if you just let bears know that you're around, okay. they're as afraid of us as, as we are of them.
0: Okay, okay. I think it would be one of the most terrifying things that could ever happen to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. After seeing that uh, that movie with DiCaprio, uh, the, the Revenant, there's the yes. the bear scene there. Ooh, okay. Um, so, Learning Journals... Could, what's the, sorry, let, let, let me, let me formulate this question. Can we just maybe, can't we just talk to ourselves without writing, mm. like having conversations with ourselves? This is, I read a book by, okay, Western, but woman this time uh from Australia. The secret, the secret life of you, Sherry Carey, if I remember correctly. And the whole book is about, um, it's about thinking about thinking, to be honest, because it's um, because it it's it tells you that we are all so exposed to social media tv radio music uh, books uh, articles social you know all this input it's all input 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 but we never mm. let the 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 brain to 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 have to have a break we're we're all with something in our ears, something in front of our eyes we're all surrounded we're always surrounded by people When we feel alone for a minute, we call a friend. This is what she says in this book. But uh, what about keeping all this input, not not for 24 hours, but 10 minutes a day to to just be alone with your thoughts? This is is what uh, she keeps saying in the book. Be alone with your thoughts. Think about uh, your childhood, for example. What was that moment like? What was that uh, place that you visited like? um and uh she talks about having conversations with uh, uh, aloud with ourselves so instead of driving with your radio on just keep the radio off and uh and talk to yourself can this be a form of journaling not really because we're not writing so we're not recording it's just i don't know what do you think
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love this idea. We chatted a lot about it in our household as well. And we've got some books around here about solitude and self. I am a huge proponent of exactly what you were just sharing and what what, uh, she wrote about as well, is that just to shut things off. And nearly daily, I will... And oftentimes when I'm walking, I'm not listening to podcasts. It all depends on the day. So -hmm. I think it is absolutely critical to just be... With ourself what's that self-talk what's going on in there just let it work through especially during times of tension and that tension could be in relationship with self so for example when i decided to leave a career and just walk away cold turkey and say i'm going to figure this out three kids mortgage spending a lot of time on my own just walking with it and just without purpose or looking for a solution or Mm -hmm. even identifying what the problem was just just quietly being with myself. And so when I was, and I've written a little bit more about this and I'll write some more pieces about it. When I was in my late twenties, there was a period where I just sort of said, I've had enough of, I was doing environmental work. I just got fed up. And so I, I got on my bike, on my pedal bike. Hmm. And over a period of three years, I rode from the Arctic uh, in North America. And in three different stages, I ended up joining the Arctic to Los Angeles, California. And so it was 10,000 kilometers uh, on my bike during the summers, just camping on my own. And nice. I had a, a some purpose around, around the trip. I was wanting to increase a little bit of awareness, but ultimately it became about, about me and my thought processes. And so most days I would ride eight to 10 hours, just riding on my bike. There was, at that time, there was no cell phones. And so it was 2001 when I started. And then I kept riding through till, till 2003. And at, up to that point, I had spent a lot of time on my own. I'd often walk into the bush with a tent, and you know, go hikes into the mountains, onto the, out onto the water as well. Spend time in a kayak, and those are just so absolutely critical uh, to that relationship with self. But a good relationship with self will really, will lead to good relationships with others. That's just the basis of. Why healthy self-talk and that whole idea of yes, we live within systems, but we ourselves are also systems of yeah. all kinds of muddled voices that are impacted by our past and our, our right now. So there's that ability, and I was just wrote a piece about this in relation to writing, and it's kind of like uh, Alan Watts, an old you know Buddhist. Eastern thinking fellow, I get a great kick out of, out of a lot of his stuff. And it was while I was out on that bike trip, uh, in California that I actually came across his writings, which was quite synchronistic at the time. And that, that whole thought of, okay, even if you're reflecting about the past, you are doing that right now. It, it is still now in which you are thinking about then thinking about it, where you're going to go into the future. And so it still keeps bringing it back to that idea of now. And some people will talk about meditation and mindfulness and otherwise, but I'm a big proponent to say, um, Fabio, if you are out running, you are being mindful. Like we we are in the zone we need to be aware of our surroundings to a certain degree, but yet in that zone of thought and whether we're out biking or, or even just sitting and staring out a window, uh, another whole critical process. And to me, I'm, again, it gets to that both and thinking. And so that is... The writing in a journal is both journaling and the not writing in a journal is also journaling because it's that whole process of, of being on the journey. And so that way we can sort of sit in this fluid zone and get away from labeling. And my own experience has been just being gentle with myself on labeling things because that comes from schooling. I I believe anyways, mm. is like, this is right. And that is wrong. In some cases, yes. But at the same time, then we get into thinking where if somebody really screws up as a teenager, which lots of us have done really stupid things as teenagers and adults, do we give them an opportunity to be a changed individual? You know that is that sort of approach to to people that have done bad things and you know spent some time as a in jail or as a criminal, everyone should have, still have that opportunity to be able to to change. And to be able to do that, we got to get away from that. Well, this is right and that is wrong and to, to balance through that. And that's where that it can be really delicate balance in our online world to to step away from that and just spend time letting things percolate and move and shift. Uh, and it's, it's always got to be in a certain level of balancing. And I, I find... I will catch myself even recently. I was like, okay, I've been spending too much time supporting clients, doing writing, posting every day. (laughs) I need to go and get on some more walks. And so then, (laughs) but rather than it being extreme and going, oh, I'm going to shut off all media. I'm getting all apps off. It's just like, I'm just going to gently shift it over here and just go walk more. Yeah. Not listen to a podcast. Just listen to the birds. Look at the, think about the weather. And then I find that when I come back to that creative space, it is just so much more free and fluid.
0: Nice. so it's not a learning journal is not just a tool that could help us when in in times of in hard times because um, i I recently had a conversation with one of my students, and um, she's going through some hard times with her family, and she said, "I normally write down." things to to um to make me feel better, so I just I have a a note app and I write down how I feel um I write down my emotions she said mm. and this is really helpful she said She didn't say why, but um it's a way for her to even to unload your mind. To, yes to it's it's something even useful especially useful before going to bed I think it's a it's um it's something that people who suffer from insomnia it's recommended for people who suffer from insomnia so before you go to bed and you're anxious uh, don't go to bed with that anxiety just vomit everything onto the page write it down and then and then go to bed, it might help. And it helps me when I when I know that, the, that I've got too many things to do, um, mm. that I know that I have to do the next day. So I'm like, okay, tomorrow I have to do this, 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 and that. And I have to write it down, otherwise I go to bed with all these thoughts in my mind. So I just write, a, I free write um, a to-do list. I produce a to-do list by free writing. And okay, I know it's there, tomorrow I'll look at it, um, now I can go to bed. So, even this, I don't know, it's the power of... You said it at the beginning, you said uh, putting our internal dialogue into words, something like this. So that, that probably is the power of writing, instead of just talking to yourself. Because you can see, you can see your, your thoughts on the page. Yeah, well, you, have... make yeah. you make
1: space. You makes it makes it makes space. Yeah, so big space for that to go somewhere else, and then you get to think with a thing.
0: But a productive, you know, because these days we are all productivity obsessed with productivity. So is there a? We need to do. We need to build a habit. So do we now have to go and read Atomic Habits on? then you know to to build a journaling habit or can i just say okay today i will do it tomorrow maybe not um what would you recommend should we be consistent i think (coughs) I, i think i know the answer but i don't know what do you think
1: it's uh yeah i i'm often so challenged and i get a little bit prickly about this obsession with productivity and products and and consistency and write for 30 days online, it'll change your life. And I think actually, if you wrote to yourself for 30 days, it would probably change your life. So, so there's that balance in there that maybe writing 30 days on Twitter might be, but if you're trying to do it in a way which you're trying to satisfy something outside of yourself, it's probably not going to work out very mm. well. So There's that very much thinking, I think, in in line with some of your thought process, which is sometimes unstructured can be the best way to go about it. So sometimes when I sit down to write, I'm not thinking this is the product I'm going to produce or this is the article. And my wife and I both talk about it. She's a really talented artist, mixed media And and she'll often say the painting that I sit down that I started with is not the painting that gets produced. And I find this with the writing I've been doing. And so now that I've been writing almost daily, nearly daily, there's been breaks in there since April of 2022. Wow. It'll be two years coming up here that almost all of it has largely been unstructured. I found myself starting to go down that I should, I should be doing this. Mm. And we have a joke in our house. We call it shoulding all over the place. Like, stop shoulding all over the place. Don't should <laughs> on me. You know, you should do this. And there's so much mm. of that bullshit online about this is the way that you do it and you don't do it this way. And you gotta, and uh, that's where I'll stop, pause. And very similar with yourself at night. I have very similar processes, which is get the junk out of my head that I'm starting to get anxious about. Because we're at a point in the in the day, in the ends. St- the theory is mixed on this. It's like we start the day with a certain amount of willpower Mm. and I call it shits to give. Like we only have so many shits to give on a daily basis. Mm. And if I give those all away in the first hour that I'm not, that I spend much time on Facebook, but from a business perspective, it's hard to ignore 3 billion monthly users. um, Mm. There are very different personas and ways of operating on different platforms. But if I waste my first hour getting pissed off about something I read about Donald Trump on on Facebook and I rant away. I've actually probably given a bunch of myself away. And then when my kids come home from school at 4 p.m., I don't have many shits to give them because I've given them all away to something useless uh-huh. online. It's kind of my you know crass way of uh-huh. of sharing that. So what I'll find is at the end of the end of the day is when I might be the most irritable, the most potentially anxious, the most, oh, I have to get this and I should do that. And like you, I'll just, just bleh. I love it. Like mm-hmm. vomit it out.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: out of me. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's no good or that that's not useful information. It's just like, I'm going to put it over here because then I my feeling is in my brain, I'm giving that time for things, files to clean out, for ideas to come together. And the next day uh, I can come fresh. And I do most of my writing in the mornings. Um, I do still support some clients with some work as well. But, and I'll generally save that more for sort of midday to afternoon. And I've, I've just discovered that over the years that that's how I work best. And I've documented that in learning journals and otherwise. So that's that whole process that when I start trying to overly structure how I'm doing things is when I find I get less creative, I get Mm. more irritable, I get more pissed off, uh, and just feel like I, and that, defeats the purpose again of why I've got a newsletter called box cutter. Uh, Like sometimes you just got to slice through it. But at the same time, it is okay to think in the box. We don't always have to think out of the box. We can think in the box, out of the box, beside the box. We can get rid of the boxes and then we can come back into it. But all of those are going to lead us into different little places, which can be wonderful for thinking about. They can be wonderful for shifting our relationships with others But if we love to write, they can also be wonderful to write about. And so then rather than stressing and getting anxious about what my audience is looking for, I can just write it and have no idea what the impact is going to be out there. Did I think, oh, I'm going to meet some guy named Fabio from Italy and do a podcast when I started writing on Medium? No, Mm -hmm. I just had this past week, Fabio, I had someone reach out from a college in Missouri, which is Mm -hmm. across the continent from me. Saying, hey, would you come and speak at our liberal humanities wow. uh, college about the stuff you're doing? I'm like, absolutely, I, I'd love to. And then I said, how did you find me? She says, well, I found an article on Medium. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, and that was not my intention going in, but it just recognizing that when you participate in those ways and lots of conversation about authentic, but just bring yourself in its messiness, in all its screwed up uh, and just write and share and folks will find you like it'll 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 sort itself out i don't like to say work itself out but it'll sort its way through in the way that it needs to uh, needs to sort its way through
0: this is awesome yeah um and you know a a comment on linkedin um led me to have a conversation with a writer a suicidal writer um Mm. and you know with a comment 'Cause she replied to I think it was a it was a post that I um I posted there about writing. Uh oh, um can you say that you're a writer if you don't make money from writing? She replied Great. to that comment. I said, Okay, no, I want to I want to chat with this woman. Uh same with you. And so the more we put things out there, you know, we don't know what what will happen. I think we could record another a whole other episode on the creator economy and what to do and the solopreneurship, uh, but let's stay let's stay here with uh, thinking about mm-hmm. thinking for now. I just have one last question because I think we are heading towards the end. Um, if you could give only one tip to someone who wants to start a learning journal, um, maybe they want to try it out, maybe. Maybe they think this has got potential. So what would you recommend?
1: I love these, these questions. In many ways, it's no different than writing online. And mm. it's almost cliche advice, but it works. And that's just start. It's There is no simpler way to start to learn anything than to start. And to start a learning journal, again, hopefully in looking at this, we've got, uh, for example, the learning journal initiative as our medium writing account. You can go there and then just say, what do I think about this idea of learning journals? Or hmm. why, why am I even interested in this idea of a learning journal? What tweaked me? And try and just write one paragraph or five bullet points. And most more often than not, people will all of a sudden find the way the pen goes and i would always yeah. recommend pen and paper because it just goes to a different place it's a different relationship uh and i think as well And we didn't get into this we can have a conversation another time but mm. that these things these pens mm. they they we think with them uh, and whether it's and paper as well it's these are powerful technologies that we can use And to try not to lose them in in the digital environment. When we are typing, it's a different relationship. It's a different part of our brain. And I'm sure the research will come out on this. And so ultimately, it's no different than anyone says. How do I start writing online? I said, Well, you start. You start with a tweet, uh, and and then get away from this. You know, tweet for 30 days, and your life will change. In a way, in a way, it will. That's not a lie. I'm not saying that's bullshit. It'll change. It's just not. You know, followers don't equal cash. You're not all of a sudden. You know, going to be making millions. I've been posting nearly daily for almost two years, and I'm not making millions. I'm I've got myself to a place where I'm where we're doing well, uh, and far healthier for it. Uh, but it's taken time. And similarly, that was where one of my first contracts came was from posting on LinkedIn. Someone reached out, and what started as like a $500 a month contract is now sort of the basis of my services business. Wow. And you know that. So don't underestimate that power. And so don't underestimate the power of starting. If someone wants to start a learning journal, like I said, you could start with small talk. You could pick it up and start with why you think it's stupid. You know, I think this is stupid and it's, and then away you go. Or for others, I'll say just draw, maybe draw a map of where you are, like place yourself in the world. Here I am for you, you know, maybe in Milan, if that's correct in recalling where you're living or, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so then just thinking, you know, where am I and why am I here? Not in a big philosophical sense, but why do I live here? And, then, hmm. and go through wow, the that, that's,
0: that's already a three-page journaling thing there. Yeah. Where, why am I here in this town? Yeah. How did I end up here? Or why am I still here?
1: That's right. Mm. And that's that thinking back. Which keeps us here. It's a very mindful activity. Like we cannot avoid being mindful when we are reflecting. Yes, we're reflecting about the past, but then thinking about the future. What do I think about this? And then I'll often say, write about some what if scenarios. What if I could live somewhere else? Where would that be? And why would that be the case? And just explore it, not in a problem solving sense, in a, I'm curious. Let's get, you know, let's be a little bit more curious about this. And if some shameful thoughts come up and shame and blame, and I'm so stupid and I shouldn't do that, just write it out and don't get too attached to it. Because I'll often say, you know, those emotions we feel in the moment can be like a big, huge roller coaster. But as we start to step back with time and look at it, we go, "Eh, it's not really that big a deal. And that could be a really healthy process to help navigating those really difficult times. Uh, and I, my wife will often share this with me from her, from her practice is sometimes just bringing people back to like, what are you feeling right now? What's going on? Let's move through that. Let's do some thinking about thinking. Cause that will start to be able to pull us from that, that reactionary brain, our ancient part of our brain, which serves an incredibly important function. So there's no sense getting angry with it. It's more about just going, Hmm, there it is again. I'm getting ready to be habitual. So it's sort of a you know, very long answer, but I ultimately the power in just starting and then not making it like a New Year's resolution. Mm. I'm going to do this for 30 days. I don't journal every day. day. Mm. I've Over time, I've just learned to be very fluid with it. And some days I will journal a ton and they're just, they're a mess. They're full of post-it notes and maps. And, and other times I've learned as well, though, that I need to be a bit more structured and I'll say, this is a piece of writing that I want to do hmm. and I want to be structured about it. And so I'm going to write it in a way that I know I'll be able to read later and I'm going to try and capture it in a way. And then that's where, you know, for example, you, I think you heard you mentioning this in some of your, your shorter clips and podcasts is where chat GPT can be really powerful hmm. is to get us to think about things in a way that we hadn't even thought about. So I'll use it to mix and mash. I'll say, Hey, I'm reading this stuff here. And I'm wondering who else is reading, and then I'll say combine that with, you know, theories of data science, and sometimes it comes back with just this mind-blowing stuff. I'm like, well, okay, now I need to write about that.
0: Wow, yeah, ChatGPT could act as a as a prompter, right? Totally. So, yeah. so help me. And a, synth- and, a, mm.
1: and a synthesizer. That's what mm. I find is a really powerful synthesizer to pull things together. That I'm just like they're flying around in mm-hmm. there, and then I can engage it, and it goes whoop, and I'm like. You got it.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, um, I, I feel I could ask you one billion questions, but uh, let's stop here. We might have another episode uh, in the future.
1: I would love that. I'd love that. Okay. Yeah, we covered some okay. good territory and a lot of time. Well okay. well done.
0: Good, good place to start. Um, okay. So um, you can now maybe tell us what, because you you have a five-day free crash course on learning journals, right?
1: You betcha. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe we have, yeah,
0: tell us yeah. about where people can find you and uh, services also that you, you'd like to you bet. tell us I about. I appreciate
1: that. Yeah. So, I, and I was mentioning this earlier. We are big believers in freemium. So providing mm. freemium products. Freemium. And so we've got... In total, I've got nine free educational email courses. So I have two that are sort of on that solopreneur side. Like you said, we could probably do a whole episode on that. So one is the solopreneur writer or solopreneurwriter.com is the one free five-day course. That was one of the first ones I built and looking to do some updates on that. Solopreneurthinker.com is another one that I talk about mindset and just the uniqueness of being a solopreneur. Some people don't like the term, but I think it's a really important term because it means you do everything from cleaning the toilets to doing the books. Yeah, everything. and yeah. yeah. and look after the cats because it looks like you've got a cat condo yeah. there behind you. So, <laughs> uh, and then with the Humanity Academy, we have seven free email courses and I won't run through the whole list, but our website is humanityacademy.life. Uh, and then we've on humanityacademy.life there is a list of our free education there's a tab for it and our most popular by far is the learning journal crash course mm. and so that is uh, learningjournal.life. we will take you to the landing page you provide an email and we don't spam people it's that's just the way that we then we support that through convert so by signing up with email then there's five days of of um of emails that come around uh, just talking about learning journals, Mm -hmm. like it literally is a crash course. And then there's one bonus day on that, which that gets into all the different kinds of learning journals. And so there's at least 33 different kinds I list on that. So learningjournals.life is the five day free email course On Medium, for those folks that are there, the Learning Journal Initiative is the name of the account we write from uh, specifically. And then you can find me, uh, the David Lowen is on Medium. So those are the main ones. And then my personal website, Fabio, is David Lowen, L O E W E N dot org O R G. And that is, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. I do a little bit on Instagram, I do a little bit on Facebook, but uh Twitter and LinkedIn I write on pretty much daily, uh promote those courses and some of those courses are pinned into the profiles that that you can find there. So in a, in a nutshell those are the things we've got on the go.
0: Great. I'll put all this uh, well you you'll have to send me all the all the links. I will do that. I'll send you all the links. <laughs> and they will be in the show notes. Okay, Dave, thank you. Thank you. It's uh I think it's this is one of the most um fascinating conversations I've had on my podcast and one that I feel I still have a lot to ask you about um but we'll see we'll see in the future thank you for oh, now I love
1: it uh, real real honor considering you've done done so many fabulous but just such a pleasure so it's just awesome questions and I'm looking forward to some more dialogue
0: great thank you David bye-bye <laughs> All right, I hope you enjoyed this conversation, I hope that you will start journaling, like writing things out, uh, writing things on, on in your journal, like, uh, look, look at this one. These are some of the notes that I took while I was um, talking with David, and uh, it's uh, it, it will be, it will give me something to think about, something to reflect on. What did I learn by talking? With David um, how can I apply what I learned so it will take me maybe 10 minutes not a lot and it's something that um, probably we said that we don't have not all problems have got solutions but maybe hmm journaling will solve many problems who knows okay I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will keep following this podcast if it's useful for you to you for you i never know which preposition is the correct one i hope it's useful i hope it's helpful and uh i'll see you in the next one bye bye